Welcome to the Step Over Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm joined today by someone who is a former TFC Academy player, uh, played for Ottawa South United. He's played professionally in four European countries. He was a member of HFX Wanderers' inaugural squad, and maybe most relevant to me, we are both alumni of one of Canada's most storied clubs, the Goulburn Soccer Club. Um, my guest today is Zayla Langwa. Zayla, welcome to the show. I yeah, appreciate that. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so people probably know you better, uh, by your nickname, Zoom. Um, so I want to ask you first, like, when did you, uh, first get that nickname? I was around grade one, um, in school, I was really good in track. I was like, when I was young, I was really good in track. So I had a teacher that I was really close with. She started calling me Zoom just off, just based off of me running. And then that kind of just like stuck. It was weird that it stuck, but it did. And then, um, my real name is Zamzella. So like Zella is a branch off of Zamzella, but Zoom really came from like, just like when I was a young little kid, running track and um, Zoom stuff from there. I mean, as far as nicknames for Canadian soccer players, I'd say that ranks uh, as one of the best ones that I've heard. So, <laughs> you know, it could be worse. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely, definitely could be worse. Uh, and everything else, at first, growing up, I didn't mind it. But now, like, as I'm older, I don't really, like, go by Zoom anymore. I just think I'm, okay. like, young. Yeah, so like as I got older, I'm just kind of like, okay, guys, okay, you can stop calling me Zoom, you know? But like, my <laughs> friends still call me Zoom, but apart from my close friends, like everyone goes by Zella now. It's a lot, um, a lot more professional, I can say. Okay, um, so uh, being an alumni of the Goulburn Soccer Club, um, would I be wrong in saying that you're from Stittsville and not like Richmond or Munster, one of those backwaters? Yeah, definitely. Um, I my parents started in Canada, and then. Um, I ended up going to elementary, elementary school and high school in Stittsville for the most part. And then before branching off the TFC and all that other stuff. But yeah, I definitely grew up in Stittsville, Canada area. Okay. So important Stittsville question. Are you a JoJo's pizza guy or a Papa Sam's pizza guy? I'm definitely a JoJo's. I worked, for a jo- I worked for JoJo's for a lot of years. You worked for so, JoJo's? Yeah, yeah. I know the owners. I know like the sisters. I know Ziad. I know... Marwan, I know everyone, you know, so um, definitely, definitely a JoJo's over Papa Sam's for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, what's your favorite soccer field to play on in Stittsville? Mm, I trained a lot of times at the Goldman Rec Center, you know, with the very like, the gated fence that's like behind the, the net. Yes, I use yep. that fence for I use that pitch. Like the year I made it to TFC, the year before there, I used to train on that pitch maybe three times a day. Like I before school, I was training on that pitch. During the lunchtime at school, I was training on that pitch. And after school, before I even went to my actual OSU training sessions, I trained in that on that pitch. So I definitely think that that pitch and me had a had a good bond back when I was growing up. Right on. Um, okay, so um when did you first start playing soccer? Um, I think when I was three or four years old. My dad was like huge into soccer. Um he was like my dad really was really good. Like a, a lot of people in Ottawa know my dad through soccer. So just going to my dad's games, going be just being all, always in the environment. I think it was just natural that I was eventually going to get into it. So from a young age, um, I've always been around soccer. And then, uh, of course, when I was three or four years old, I started playing soccer here in Sittsville. Okay. And uh, did you have like a favorite player or like a favorite team when you were growing up? I definitely was obsessed with Ronaldinho and Samuel Eto'o. More Eto'o than Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho came like in the later stages, but 
Uh, my family is originally from Cameroon, so Samuel Eto'o uh, definitely played a huge influence on uh, me playing soccer. I definitely um, I started off as a striker. I was never a left back or a center midfielder when I was younger. I played striker, so um, I definitely had a big influence off of Eto'o. Obviously, I didn't grow very, very tall, so playing striker <laughs> eventually took its toll on Growing up, I was definitely a striker for sure. All right, on. So, uh, in terms of your of your skills, were you always someone who kind of like had a knack for it as a kid, or or um, or were the skills something that came a bit later with with uh, you know, with some work? Um, I think I always had the speed. I was like very game savvy, but like definitely the skill um, was developed because everyone said, "Ah, oh, he's a good striker, but he's very very lazy." Like. I'm not someone who's in like I was never someone who's gonna chase the ball down or do a hundred tricks. I was literally just like I'll get the ball, I'll look you in the face, and just like sprint past you, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely think all the coaches saying I'm lazy. I kept hearing it over and over and over again. And then one season, I kind of just like I just told myself, okay, I need to work on work on my craft if I'm gonna make it. So then one year, I just decided, okay, like I'm gonna train as much as I can. I'm gonna do as much as I possibly can and put in the hours. And eventually the skill came and eventually um, I think that's where I bridged the gap or made a gap between me and everyone else. It's kind of just like I literally just with, with the, the time and the effort I was putting in, I was training with different clubs. Like I was also obviously or training with, with OSU sessions with um, this back in the day that's called Exuvia uh, Academy. I was doing sessions with Exuvia, my own sessions by myself. I was going to the field with my sister. I was doing like a hundred things at the same time, literally. And then um, everyone stopped calling me lazy because I just, I just, I just uh, made a gap between me and everyone else that I was playing with. And then yeah, from there it just got kept getting bigger and bigger. And, yeah. Okay, so that um, that really ties into my next question, which is like, when did you do you remember a point where? Um, you decided that you wanted to take soccer a bit more seriously and, and like maybe pursue that as as a as a as a potential career. I didn't really think like growing up, I was one of those kids who just kind of just like I like to just hang out with my friends. I like like my my sister used to have to or my parents used to have to like drive around the neighborhood to try to find me to bring me to practice. <laughs> so like I'm not for me like growing up, it wasn't like oh I was wanting to be the big pro. Like it was more or less like. Hey, I'm in high school, or I'm in junior high, or I'm in elementary school, and I just wanna just hang out with my friends. And my parents used to have to drive around the neighborhood to try and find me because I was really just always playing <laughs> with my friends, road hockey, or just doing things in the streets. So then I had to take it more serious. I think I was 13 or 14 before I went to TFC. I was like, okay, like, let me actually like put in extra hours. And at that point, where um, I was in Toronto and uh, we were playing OISL. And a scout from TFC came and was like, hey, like I want you to come to training sessions for TFC. When the TFC first uh, academy first started, I went, uh, stayed in Toronto for, I think, a week or two weeks. And I was training with TFC. And then I finally signed for TFC is when I think, okay, like when I signed for TFC, I was like, okay, if I'm going to move to Toronto and do this, then I got to take it more seriously. And I actually got to, I aspired to be a pro at that point. So I think probably when I reached 14 is when I thought, okay, let me be a pro. But before then, I thought, I'm good at soccer, so I play it and I enjoy it. But I never thought, okay, like I, I want to be a pro soccer player. I think it was just kind of like uh, a hobby at that point, you know. It was just a kid, just a kid growing up, you know. Yeah. Do you think 
part of that was like just not seeing you know like without a like a professional league in Canada did you just maybe like not see like it didn't occur to you that like that could be something you could do how kids now have like MLS and all these other things that you could do but when I was growing up we didn't have like obviously you could watch MLS on TV and watch European football on TV but like it's not like we had what uh, there was PDL back then I think in Ottawa with Fury used to have a PDL team like yeah but it's like that's not very motivating it's not like oh like I'm 12 years old and I'm thinking oh let me go play PDL that was never in my mind you know so I think now with the CPL and with the MLS being so big and with like local stars and Alfonso Davies and all the rest after bridging the gap the gap to Europe I think that it's more realistic for kids nowadays to want to to think they have the opportunity to make it from a young age if they do the right things. And parents can obviously motivate kids as well and say, hey, do the right things from young. Then this person can, we can go to this camp or we can do this and we can do this to try and help you make it. But growing up for me, it was like, you have to be the best player on your team. Then you have to be the best player in Ontario. Then after the best player in Ontario, you got to be one of the best players on Canada. And then after the best player in Canada, you got to hope that a club in Europe or you, let's say you play in a in a camp in, in Europe that someone sees you, and like it's a lot harder to bridge the gap back then than it is now, you know. And even now, it's still hard. But before, you didn't have people trying to bring players overseas and get them trials, and it was a lot. You know, we didn't have that type of thing back then. That's why you get aspired at a at a at a later age because just before that that age, you don't really have too much to look forward to. Like, yeah, maybe you can play on on um, Team Ontario. I think that's what it was called back then. But even on Team Ontario, like, I never played on Team Ontario. My parents just didn't have um, the financials to drive to Toronto every weekend to play on, like, to be part of that program. Like, that's just, we were, I was already doing the OISL, which is the, we're driving to tr- Toronto every two weeks. So my parents are like, I'm not going to do that. And then on top of that, in Team Ontario, and on top of that, so, like, I was fortunate enough to play for TFC or get picked for TFC at a young age. But, a lot of people don't have that fortune to even play OYSL to be driving to Toronto every two weeks and do all those those crazy things because it's just not realistic for most parents, you know, financially. Well, exactly. And like, um, you know, especially players who just aren't in, like, if you're not in Toronto, it just like adds that much more of a barrier. Um, and uh, yeah, like I want to touch on, like you announced just last month that you decided to retire uh, from professional soccer and you're going to focus on this new project called Ottawa Selects. Um, so I really want to ask you about Ottawa Selects, but first uh, I do want to congratulate you because um, you got to live the dream and play and play professional football for several years, um, you know, and and that took you to leagues around the world and, and not many players get to do that, you know, especially from Canada, especially from Ottawa. Um, and that doesn't just happen. There's enormous, there's an enormous amount. Mu- amount of work and commitment that that went into having a pro career so I just want to congratulate you on that and I, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about your pathway to turning pro um you know it hasn't been easy for Canadians and you did it before there was a CPL to aim for so like what was your like what was your pathway fortunate enough like for example like I like I did I did say I, I played for TFC so I had a season and a half um with TFC and then after my season and a half with TFC I came back home um for, for a few months and shortly after I went over, Oh, well, I played for 
the Fury Academy back when Fury had, a, had an academy for one season. And then after playing for Fury Academy, I did the, I bridged the gap to go to Whitecaps for another half season. Like, like Whitecaps, the environment there just wasn't the environment for me. Like I wasn't comfortable there. I was very far from my norm. Um, I was going to different schools there. Um, I think Toronto was a little bit, because still in Ontario, it was a little, it was a little bit easier for me if I had any problems. My parents could just come over, but Vancouver was was a little bit further. I was alone. It's just a different. It was a different style of the academy. I didn't really have uh, get a grasp of it. And then I got injured early too, so mentally it was really hard on me. Like I, I think my first month there, I pulled my hamstring, so that pulled me out for a second month. And then I didn't really get get to play much until closer to Christmas. So it was a hard, it was a hard um first, it was a hard season for me at Whitecaps um, to adapt to. So that just didn't go very well. But when I came back to Ottawa, I, re- I went right into preseason with the the Fury, uh, with Fury's team with when um, Phil DeSantos and Mark DeSantos were the coaches. Uh, no, no, sorry. Phil DeSantos, Bruce Grobelar, and um, there was another there was another head coach that was here. They invited me to preseason in Arizona. So I went to Arizona with them. Um, and when I had got back, or rewind, to, there was a, can- a Canada camp that I went to in France. And there was an agent that had reached out to me after that, after the Canada camp, but I was still young. So he said, when you're 18, I can help you find a team in Italy. I have contacts there. So as soon as I got back from the camp from Arizona um, with Fury, came back to Canada. Fury, uh, unfortunately, didn't offer me a contract right before the season started. And then at that exact same moment, the agent said, no, the club is actually looking for a left back right now if you want to go over to Italy. So it kind of worked itself out. I ended up flying to Italy. I'm doing a trial in Italy and I ended up signing for a team in Italy. Um, and I ended up staying there for two years. My first year, I had like a couple of visa issues to try and get a work permit, try to get a visa. Um, and then my second year, um, I was able to get my, my paperwork sorted and I ended up playing in Italy. So that's kind of a little bit about how I made it. So like it's still like I, will, I go back to uh, playing with the national team at a young age. If I wasn't on the national team, I wouldn't have got the opportunity um, in Italy um, based off that agent seeing me in France when I went with the national team to a tournament. So I guess at, at that age, if you don't have those little like opportunities, especially the national team, then you're not going to get that bridge. Like, for example, I would have came back from Arizona and I didn't sign in Arizona with Fury, then I would have been sitting here and not, and that would have just been not it for me, but I would have had to try and grind it out or go some other direction, which would play a lot of players, Canadian, when they get to that point, it's just like, okay, like, I did, I've reached the, the peak of where I could get to. It didn't really go out the way it's supposed to. Now what do I do? And like I said, we didn't have the CPL. We didn't have all these extra things back then. So it's like, okay, like if you don't have the opportunity there, what do you do? And now you get you get caught trying to reach out to different clubs in Europe. And a lot of the times for most people, it doesn't work out, you know? And that, that's, 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 uh, that's the reality of it. You did get to sign some contracts over in Europe. Um, you know, you played in in a few different leagues. Um, what was your favorite country to play in? It's funny because when you think about it in the moment, like when I was in Italy and I was like, I wasn't playing when I first got there. And I'm like, I wish I was playing. I was playing. I was like, I wish to get off the bench. And then after I went from not playing to playing every game and now like I'm in pain, I'm fighting an injury and the club is still forcing me to play and we're fighting relegation. And you're just like, Wishing like I wish the season just ends so I could just hang out my <laughs> hang out with my family. But it's funny. So like at the moment when I was in Italy, I was like, ah, oh, I just want to leave. I'm tired. 
I've been like, I've been killing myself. I'm starting every game and like, I've had like a knee injury, but like, I was like doing little things to still play every game. Like there's a point towards the end of the season in the last four games where I was, had a slight tear in my meniscus or a pinch in my meniscus. And like the team doctor, he said like, I, I can't train, but I was still playing every game. So it's like, I was just watching training sessions, but then on game day, they would give me like a shot of Voltaren. So I don't feel the pain. And I was still playing through it. Oh my so like god! For a whole month straight, to it because the team was fighting relegation, and we were so close to not getting um, to to staying in the league that the club was just like, "No, like we actually just need you to play." So little things like that, like in the moment, I was like, "Yeah, I just need to just get out of this situation." But I still think that playing in Italy was my favorite experience because, like, it's just such a different environment. It's like even if you're playing lower division in Italy, like I was playing fourth division and third division. But there's still like some games you still go out. There's ten thousand people in the stands. People are people are screaming, yelling the whole game. It's like a battle. It's it's, it's like it means so much to people there. Meanwhile, um, you go to other countries that's not the same the same kind of kind of vibe that you get. So I definitely still think that my favorite environment in other countries was was definitely Italy. There's something about um, Italian football that like. With, between the atmosphere of the games and the professionalism of the clubs, uh, I, I really like that. I really enjoyed that experience. Um, so, as we said, you announced that uh, you know, your decision to retire to focus on Ottawa Selects. Can you tell the good listener what is Ottawa Selects and what is your role in it? Okay, so three years ago, I started Ottawa Selects. Ottawa Selects started as just a training program. So, there's a lot of Ottawa players who in the offseason, just wanted training, and there was no one to facilitate the training because a lot of the clubs, the local clubs, stopped training after 18. No training sessions. There's no... After 18, it's just like, okay, like, we've, we've done what we can. We've built you up to a certain level. Now you go to university or you go to college, you go pro, and that's it. So there's a, a very big um, group of players in Ottawa that needed training, but they had nowhere to go. And university stopped accepting um, alumni to come back and train. Like a lot of university coaches now are just saying, hey, we don't want the alumni to come back. We just want to focus on the group and we just want to train the group. So now there's a big group of people who want to train who have no place to train. So then um, I decided, okay, it was a decision I made not because I wanted to do business. It was more or less like I want to train as well and I want to play games. So Selects just started as a group of people who were training three to four times a week. And then we'd organize friendly games on the weekends because we had um, a lot of players would have trials and stuff they wanted to go into in the new year or whatever, and they had no actual game in their legs. So I said, okay, you know what? I'll do all the the, the, the hard parts of this work. I'll rent them field time. I'll book dome time per game, and I'll set everything up. Because I my dad already owned the football club. So for me, it was like, I already knew how to do everything. I already knew had all the contacts for everything. So I just said, okay, guys, you guys just pay. We'll, we'll split the, the cost between all the guys who want to train and we'll just get the field time and then I'll run whatever the sessions I can run. So it started like that. And then time goes by and it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And at the, so they got to the point where I could no longer train because I had to train in the group. Like I had to run the session. I had to do subs and asides for the teams, the guys that are playing. So it started off as just like a training group, and then it started, then it came into an actual team because now we have friendly games, now we have guys 
too there's too many players in the player pool that we had that we just I, I just couldn't train and coach or I train and run sessions at the same time. You know, it just wasn't flowing properly. So then I had to actually run the sessions. And then it went from that to now it's a business. Now it's okay. Um we've reached year three and now it's okay. We have a big group of players who want to do that, but at the same time, we have um, what my experiences in Germany as well as Antonio Sassad, who works, who has a um, a brand called Eight Mode Fitness. We both um, work together um, to build selects up to where it is now. Now we have contacts in Germany that we can help players um, bridge the gap in Germany. So last year I went down. And lastly, we brought another uh, player from Ottawa named Justin Earl who wanted an opportunity overseas. And the uh, Antonius knows the club directly. So he um, asked them if they could um, go down and play with them. And they're super open to it because in Germany, you have, um, you're able to play without a visa or without a work permit for three months. So they just accepted and said, okay, yeah, we, we need good quality players. Um, they're, they're what we're looking for. We'll take them both. So we both, both went down and then I did the same thing, not with that same club, with a different club this season. I went down again to Germany and played with them in, uh, in Germany. And then I, while I was down there this year, I really made a lot of contacts. I met new agents. I met new, new people down there. And now that's why when I got back, I said, okay, you know what? Like For me, I know I've already reached to where I can reach in football. So I said, it's better now to give other players opportunity to, to get to push them further than I was able to reach because I didn't have the Ottawa selects. I didn't have people in Ottawa when I was growing up trying to guide me or give me advice or tell me to talk to this person or to get this tryout. I didn't have all of that. So now people can directly come to me and I can directly help them in any way I can, whether it's, it's become, if it's trying to contact a CPL coach on their behalf or trying to contact a USL coach on their behalf or trying to contact a coach in Europe on their behalf. Um, I'm more able to do that now because of all my experiences. So I think a lot of people have um, aspirations to play professional football and they don't know um, the right time to, to let it go. And I think because Selects has already um, been running for two years, it was a perfect time to for me to stop playing because I, I was no longer playing because I wanted to play out this playing because uh, it was hard for me to let go. You know, it wasn't like a thing that I was like, Oh my God, I'm, 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 I think I'm going to make it to the highest level. I honestly, the way my body's been feeling for the last two, three seasons, I've been um, talking close to Antonius, who's one of the best in the business when it comes to um, uh, how, how the body works and um, the like, um, training of the body. Antonius knows everything. He can, he's, he's really helped me. And even with him, it's been a, a, a rocky road for the past two seasons after COVID. For me, so I've hurt my hamstring problems, I've hip flexor problems. I said, you know what? Rather than um, keeping up this fight, I think it's best I move on into something else. And I think the transition has been amazing so far. So yeah, you recently held uh, a women's pro ID camp that seemed really well attended, um, and I saw players like Miranda Smith, who was recently playing pro in France, uh, Christine Eibelmeyer, who is with uh, Bayern Munich U System. And lots of recognizable university level players. Um, what was the goal of the ID camp, and and like how did it go? So, most ID camps are a weekend, but I felt that's the wrong way. To, that's the wrong approach to things. I feel like if you run an ID camp, so how I I structured the ID camp, 
um, is two weeks, which most people say, ah, it's a lot. But I think the best environment I've ever been is an environment I was comfortable in. So there's days where I come off a plane and I'm not the best player because I just got off a plane. So imagine, imagine you fly in from a state, so you fly in from Germany. Now you have to have a best performance you've ever had in 48 hours, which is realistically, it's not realistic at all. Because some players, like, you need time. You need you need to get comfortable. You need to know who you're playing with. You need to be able to adapt to situations. And people say, ah, oh, but well, like, you'll know right away or you'll, you'll see little things right away. I personally don't believe that. I think the ID camp system or the identification, like, all that stuff, the way we're doing it in Canada is very, very wrong. I don't think that it, it's right at all or makes sense at all. That's why the select ID camp is two weeks. So right now, Already over the span of four days, I've had three training sessions that are two hours each. We're supposed to have a game today, obviously, because of the weather. We I decided to postpone. Uh, it's supposed to be three sessions a week plus a, a game at the end of the week. And I think after eight good sessions, you can really identify a player. But I don't. I don't believe after a weekend you can identify a player because that doesn't make sense. And um, the agent I'm working with in Germany as well. He really likes what I what I put together because it, says, it makes sense what, what what I'm trying to do because there's some players that you'll see one time and they'll be amazing and they show up the tra- the, the, the training session or the trial and they're not the player that you thought they were because they just had an amazing day on that day. But if you see someone consistently over two weeks, you'll know what the what the tendencies are. You'll know exactly the kind of style of play they play. They'll be comfortable in the environment playing with the the same girls for two weeks or the same guys for two weeks. So it just makes more sense in an, in an identification process for me. And um, so that's why we did it this way. We did two weeks of uh, extensive training. So we do the physical aspect of the training, technical, tactical, and then there's the games at the end of each week. So, so far it's been so very, very good. Like you said, there's Miranda Smith. She's a very, very good player, very intelligent. Um, we have two girls who flew in from the state who were previously on trial in Romania after they finished uh, university. So they've been very, very good. Um, obviously, Christine coming from Bayern. Um, she's very, very strong for her age, very, very intelligent for her age. Very, very, very good defender. Um, there's um, Ottawa U has Sumaya, who's, um, who's been in the camp and she's an outstanding player. So we definitely have um, a lot of quality. But like I said, we've just been doing training sessions. Um, when we get into the, the full field games, I think there'll be um, very important for the identification process. But so far, I think the camp is, is very good because from day one to day three, already I've seen a drastic shift in the group, the way they've been training. So the day one, it was very scrappy, very aggressive, very non-football. But then as we stay three, now the girls are more f- familiar. The girls are calling each other by name. They're getting more, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just easier for everyone to play. Now they're more comfortable. Now you see more of the qualities come out of each girl and that's easy and that's with that being said it's easier based off of each girl's quality to know where you want to place them if you did send them to germany if you did send them to austria if you did send them to different countries you know it's easier to um place them based off of quality rather than oh i seen them on the monday it was there's a everyone just fighting 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 and then on the tuesday a couple of girls put in a good performance and then the camp is over i think it's uh, that doesn't really make sense and i think um, the way we're doing it, it's 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 working in all the girls' favor. It gives them a fair chance, and I think also that's why we had so many girls sign up for the camp, um, because they feel like okay, if it's more than one day, I have a bigger chance of 
after showing my quality. Okay. So like the longer ID camp, does it sound like that's, uh, it's more attractive for, you know, when there's scouts and agents looking at it, you know, from Europe rather I than think, like the two days? I think, so it's not even more attractive to the agents or the scouts. I think it's more like they take my word for it more because I've spent more time. I see. Brands. Okay. Because so the agent I'm working with in Germany, he's like, okay, because I see what you're doing with the players and because I, I know that you're really with them for two weeks. You're not just with them for a weekend or you didn't just see them in one of their best games with their team. You've actually or like spent, a highlight reel. Yeah. You've actually spent two good weeks with these players and you know, you, you've seen what their best and what their worst are. You've seen them when they're, they're more uh, fresh and you've seen them when they're most tired. So like, so one of the sessions was like um, a fatigue based session. So, after every drill, there's like a, a series of, of, of fitness you're doing. So when we get to the end of the session, it's more a fatigue-based football game. So you're playing, you're playing against other girls, but you're very, you're in a very fatigued state. So it's like when you're tired, how do you make decisions? When you're at your at your breaking point, what what what's still your your what's what's the norm for you when you're tired? What's the norm for you when you what, what mistakes are you? And more uh, capable of making. So we put them through a, uh, um, a list of tests, really to really get to really see how each player works under pressure. Uh, and it's been working. Like I said, it's been working. I've really, I've really identified a couple of players already. I know in the camp for men's and women's, I mean, you've said we're going to take three players, but the objective is not to take three players. The objective is to take as many and help as many players move on as possible. And that's how our program will build. So if we can move six seven players on at the same time or at least just get them trials and i've done my job i i i i thought i that's what i get a sense of accomplishment because i can say i've done i've done the job i i, I was i was trying to do you know fantastic well i mean it's so like it like it seems very necessary to the canadian ecosystem you know it uh because we just haven't had those pathways so it sounds like like auto selects is uh you're really helping kind of bridge a few gaps in the ecosystem, I'd say. And like I said, like the ID camp is just like for me, the men's group is I, I want to hold, hold, help local men bridge the gap because in Ottawa itself, we don't have a lot of um, we have a lot of good footballers who don't get the recognition they, they should get. And I think Ottawa's been um, very on the map. When you hear about football in Canada, you think Toronto or you hear Montreal or here, uh, Vancouver, but Ottawa, I think the other people put like a shadow on. And I don't understand it because look at Carlton University. They've had an, an amazing team for how long? And look how many players we have from Ottawa who have moved on to the pro game. So I don't understand why the first look is Toronto or Montreal or, or Vancouver. I think Ottawa has a big enough market like like anyone else. And like I said, I grew up with a lot of the players right now that are, 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 are itching for opportunities. So for the men's, I, I hold them closely because I, I know I can help a lot of them get at least get into the market. And if they get into the market, then it's all it's all uh, all up to them to to really bridge the gap. But I think if I can even just get the, the foot in the door, then I'm doing a, a job for the city. You know. Um. All right. You've been really generous with your time. Um. I just got one more question for you. Um. So your official title with Ottawa Lux as a head coach, um, is coaching something that you see as like a long term career for you? I honestly don't. I think for me, the a long-term outlook on Selects is we have an extensive program that we're building now. Um, 
and I will be more of the mediator to try and bridge the gap between um, selects and the pro club or selects and the agent. And I think that's more going to be my role in the company eventually. But right now I have the trust of the people. So I think it's, it's better to have me as the coach on hand because people trust the product that I'm providing. But I think eventually um, the more players who um, filter into the European system, then that'll be more of me going on the trips with the players, making sure that um, things go well on that end. Like I plan on going to, in fact, where when I bring the, the boys down for their trial, I'm, I plan on going down with them just to make sure everything goes smoothly. And if they need any help, I'll be there to help them through any situation because I know a lot of this, the times that I've been to Europe, they even sent me somewhere. I got on a plane by myself, didn't know where I was going, but unfortunately, my parents weren't able to come with me. And now I'm 18, 19, 20 years old, um, traveling through Europe, doing things on my own, where um, I think that makes the the jump a lot harder. I think if I had a lot of a lot more guidance when I was young, I would have had a lot more success. And I guess that's just the reality of it. It's like when you're a younger person, you think you can do everything on your own, but you really can't. So that's why I don't want to leave anyone to do anything on their own. I think the more success you have is when the more love and support you have around you. That's just how life goes. You know, when you have a lot of, when you have a big or um, a good unit around you, you do better in most situations. And when you're alone and you have to make decisions alone is when you, you often make mistakes that you not necessarily regret, but you learn from. And I think that if I'm on hand and I can, I can, I can have those conversations for certain players or I can just be around when situations are happening that things will go a lot better. So I think I'm going to eventually step down from coaching and I'll just be there to guide the players or go on trips and help players that way. Because we do have a, starting in January, our program is going to be four or five times a week. And we do have like GPS systems that are coming into play that will track the the levels of how, how intense trainings are and how players are fatigued. And so we're, we're taking the selects to another level starting in, in January and, I think once it gets to a certain point, um, we'll, we'll need to have actual extensive coaches here and have um, um, a, a different philosophy of how we do things. So I definitely think I'll step away from coaching and then I'll let the coaches do it and the trainers do it. And I'll just be um, in the, on the sidelines watching it, watching and trying to help, help on, the, on the actual contractual side of things.